Good morning. How's everybody today? It's a great day. Father, we thank you for this awesome day. Every day is the day you've made, and you've, you made this day even before the day showed up. And we, we choose to rejoice and be glad in it, and, and to believe in a God that can create a day before it's even there. That's who we choose to believe. We rejoice. We thank you for your word that makes and molds us and, and, and is establishing a path for us to walk day by day by day. We thank you for it and we give you the praise. Thank you for the anointing on the word today, the anointing on me to deliver the word. And I thank you that the effectiveness of this signs will follow those who believe this word. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, we are in a series called Beginnings and Endings. I taught, uh, I taught on something similar to this, and that was the name of um, the series, I don't know, it was about three years ago, I guess, Beginnings and Endings. And um, I, was, I, was just, I was looking at some old notes, and I, I saw that title. And something that God had been saying and speaking to me about over the last few months, um, I was just drawn to that title, and so the, the message I'm ministering or the series that I'm ministering now is not exactly like the old series. It's similar, but, but not exactly, and so I'm going to spend some time today and then next Sunday also on um, really giving some heartfelt examples of what beginnings and endings look like in the Bible. Um, most people, most people are afraid of endings. Most people are afraid of something ending. And Jesus, all through the Gospels that we have record of his life and ministry, he talked about beginnings and endings. He, he prepared his disciples for things being over. He said, it, it will profit you that I go away, for when I go away, then the Holy Spirit will come, and what? There'll be a new beginning. And they could never get that. They never could sink their teeth into the fact that it was going to be to their advantage that he be done and gone. And now they start over. Uh, because they, 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 they never were able, even to the last day, I mean, they all forsook him in the end. Everybody left him. Everybody. Everybody say everybody. No, nobody sitting in here today, everybody's turned their back on you. There's no other human being on the planet that everybody turned their back. You can find somebody to support you today. Everybody turned their back on Jesus. And, and what they were afraid of was... This ending. Last week we talked about, out of Matthew 13, we talked about uh, Matthew, Matthew's account of the parable of the sower. And he talked about the good seed being sown, and Jesus, the Son of Man, is the one sowing the good seed. The enemy is the one sowing the tares. And he said... In that passage, he said, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Everybody said, that's me. Sons and daughters of the kingdom. The tares were the sons of the wicked one, the, the, the evil one, the, the, the 
people of the world. And it's not that the people of the world are bad in nature because God created them. God never created anything bad. It's their thinking. See, if you're a kingdom child, it's because you think that way. If you're a worldly child, it's because you think that way. Your thinking hasn't been renewed. Um, Tares can be sown by Christians. Tares can be sown by Christians who are carnal. They're not renewed. Their minds are not renewed. And as a result of that, what the enemy does, the enemy is afraid of your ending. So, you know, he didn't care who starts what. Anybody can start something. But it takes somebody of faith to finish. And so we're talking about beginnings and endings and realizing that the enemy in your thinking is after your end. You, you know why? You, you know, how, how many know what Jeremiah 29 11 said? How many know that scripture? Just raise your hand. I mean, just without me telling you, raise your hand. You, most of you know what that verse of scripture is and what it says. And what does it talk about? It talks about your end. God has a finished end for you. And, and you, you know, really, when, when I say that, I mean, I've got cold chills just going down my whole body right now thinking about the end. When I stand face to face with him. Now, most people, most people have it kind of settled. Most Christians have it settled in their thinking. Okay, you know, when, when I'm, uh, the, the Bible says, absent from the body is in the presence of the Lord. So out of this body is face to face with Jesus. And most people have settled that ending. That, that's, a, that's really a simple ending. I mean, some people haven't. Some people are afraid of that. But most people, okay, you know, most people just think they're going to die. And so, well, you know, I, I, I'm leaving here. And so they've settled that in their mind. But on a day-to-day basis and a, and, and a week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year life, there are many, many, many beginnings and endings. And what Sandra said earlier about something ending so that something new can begin is, is what we're talking about today. We're talking about how to have effective endings so that you can have new beginnings. Amen? So, um, it's really important that, uh, you know, today, I, I don't usually preach this way, but today, I'm really going to spend a lot of time on my notes. I mean, I, I follow my notes, but I don't always just read things from my notes. But today, it's really important that what I have in my notes, um, I get out. What, what God gave me that I wrote down, that I really get it to you. So I'm really just going to speak to you from my heart today and share some things with you. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I was reading, and I'd never seen this before. I was reading 
when as I was looking at this, I was reading in 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 the Gospels and in the Book of John. Actually, let's look at this verse that we looked at last week in John uh, nineteen. John nineteen twenty eight. <clears throat> Because this kind of sets the tone for what we're going to talk about this morning. But in verse 28 of John 19, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. This is when he was on the cross. Now a vessel of, full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it in his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Everybody say, It. He didn't say he was finished. He said it was finished. There was something that had been started that was accomplished. He said, It. Everybody say it. It. He said, it was finished, not he. Well, when, when, when I was reading, um, I, I'd never, it, it had never dawned on me that the scripture said what I'm fixing to tell you right here. When I was looking in John 20, uh, and I was reading, and I'd never, I'd never seen this, or in John 21, and it said, um, after he had risen and after all these things, and actually I'll just, I'll just share with you what it said. After he had risen and he had appeared several times to his disciples, we see him here and he's, he's, he shows up on the water after his resurrection to Peter and, and a number of the other disciples and they were fishing. And you might think, well, you know, Peter was a fisherman. But he hadn't fished in years. He hadn't fished in years. He had been so afraid of Jesus leaving that what he thought was he was finished and not it. And what did he do? He went back to his trade. And you know what they did? They went out to fish, and they didn't catch even one. When you're afraid of endings, you go back to things that are not what you're to do, and you won't be successful at what you do. What it took was the wisdom of Jesus. And Jesus told him what to do, and to go and cast it on the other side of the boat, and they did, and they had, it actually, actually in the scripture it says exactly how many fish that they caught, 150 some odd fish, where it was all the net could hold. Because why? Jesus said. And then Jesus goes to Peter and he says this, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, master, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. And he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Oh, God, you know I love you. Then, then feed and minister and, and take care of my sheep. What was he doing? Jesus was releasing on him 
what the calling of his life was. He was Jesus called him to pastor people. Called him to do that. Didn't call everybody to do that. But what Peter did, because he was afraid of the ending and didn't realize that it was finished, not him, it took all this time. See, they, they couldn't grasp it. For three and a half years, he was explaining that he talked to them over and over and over again. I'm not going to be here forever. You've got to get this. And what the end result was that the ending of it or this one era or this one period of time was the open door to the new thing that was going to release and set free all of humanity. And that's what they were called to do. You and I have been called to free humanity. And that ending back then creates a new beginning every time a person gets born again. Every time that a person gets born again, there's a new beginning. And what the person has available to them is everything that Jesus said in his word would flow through them. Opportunities. Things would come their way. And you and I have to understand that we can't be afraid of endings so that we can embrace beginnings. We can't be afraid of endings so that we can embrace what the new beginnings are. And everything that is a new beginning in life for you, if you're born again, it comes from the new beginning that Jesus Christ established for you and I. So we never have to be afraid of things ending. Now, um, and, and, and I think uh, I'm going to say a few things that I really want you to, I want you to really understand, and so I'm going to spend some time on it. I rolled my notes up, and they, now, they have a, now they have a bend in them. There we go. <clears throat> There's some things that, that, that I want you to understand. Um, about, about endings that are, that are really important. Um, in, in Matthew, where we had read earlier, in Jesus made the point in Matthew 13, where we read last week, he said there were two things that came from people that allowed tares or people of the world to affect their life, it would, it would affect their ending, but it would cause offenses and lawlessness. Everybody say offenses. So what I'm going to do is try to give you a picture of how, and I'm going to use my own life in a number of different things. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a picture of what I feel like is vital, and then I'm going to give you four steps that come from Mark chapter 4, four different steps of how we get to a place of not being afraid of endings so that we can embrace new beginnings and, and operate in the anointing and the power that God created us to operate in. So, some, some things that in my own personal life that came to an end, when, when I first got born again, um, I had a lot of friends that were not good for me. And one of the things that really troubled me is that people that I was around, that, that, I, that I was around in, in church life, or 
I wasn't really a part of a church right at the beginning, but, but then I stepped into it as I began to understand it um, when I was first born again. But people would say, you know, those people that you're hanging with, they're pulling on you. And I didn't like that. Why? Because I was afraid of losing my longtime friends. Well, so over time, because I didn't want the people in the church world to be offended with me, um, I would go around them, and then I would hide around my other friends. My friends that were smoking reefer and stuff, I'd, I'd go hide with them, and that way the other people didn't know what I was doing. And over time, and thank God for people, and that's why we have to be there with one another, over time I realized I didn't have to live that kind of a life. Because when you end something in life... God, by the Holy Ghost, gives you strategy in how to do it. See, I was thinking in my mind, all my longtime friends, I could never talk to them again. They're enemies. I can never, you know, be in their lives or, or be around them. No, the deal is, is that what was happening in my life is the Son of God, the Son of Man, was sowing seed in me that had never been in me before. All of a sudden, revelation began to come. But the tears that had been sown in my life, in keeping a lot of those friends, they tried to discourage me from continuing that on. And in that discouragement is where I would get pulled on, so the enemy was using the tears to try to stop my ending. So that at the end of this life, I couldn't stand before God and hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So what I had to do over time was learn how not to just spend all the time I used to spend with them. Because there were things about their life that were contaminating me. And I needed a season of my life to be kind of free from that so I could grow and get to a place where then I could be a light to them. See, it, see Jesus always spent time around ungodly people. But hear me when I say this. They never influenced him. He always influenced their life. When we come into the kingdom and we've got all these tares sown in our life, we got the seed of the Son of Man sowing things in us. We need time to be able to mature and grow to a place in our life so that we can be like Jesus. See, and we can affect the lives of other people and be a blessing to them instead of them contaminating and affecting us. So I got lots of people from my past in my life. A lot of them over time have come into the kingdom, you know, as a result of my life and, and other people's lives, but there's still lots of them. See, I don't spend a lot of time with them. I don't talk to them a lot, but every once in a while I'll talk to them, you know, and they give me all their stuff, but their stuff doesn't contaminate, affect me today because of the revelation of the word that I have. See, so I got to a place where I couldn't be afraid of not having those relationships anymore so that I could begin new relationships and still affect those old ones. So God taught me how to be strategic in that way. When I got married in 1979, uh, I was 20 years old and... One of the things I was really afraid of was things ending in my life. 
I, had, I didn't have the vision to realize that and didn't have the faith to realize that shopping could be as fun as golfing. I mean, I, I could, my heart would start pounding. I could feel myself hyperventilating when I thought about a mall, you know. Unless it was, I'm going to the store on the outside door of the mall where I could just go right in, get my pair of jeans, and get out. I mean, that was, that was shopping to me. And I married somebody that, you know, her second home was the mall. And it, and it just, it created fear. I was afraid of losing something and starting something new. And today, literally, I'd rather go to the mall with my wife than go play golf. What the heck? Huh? Oh my gosh, that destroyed my manhood. No, I still play golf, and I love it. I still do those things, but that's not my life, you see? Because I wasn't, I got to a place finally where I got rid of the fear of ending something and was able to be strategic because most of the endings in life are not absolute unless you can't handle getting rid of something partially. But sometimes, like with golf, it was for a certain period of time where there was none of it. Because I had to get the thing out of my system so then I could enjoy it and it could be a blessing and, I, and God could use, it, use me through it to be a blessing to other people. See, So today, I play as much golf as I want to and I haven't played in seven months. Do I not want to? No, I love to play. But I just haven't played. Because I just haven't had time because it's not number one. But I'm not going, oh. I'm just, I haven't played golf in seven months. Poor thing. I don't even think anything about it. I don't think anything about it. Why? Because I got rid of it. See, I got rid of it controlling my life. Because ultimately, you know, what, you know what God really wants? All God's looking for is for us to put him first and love him. And what does that mean? What does loving God first mean? That means that I hear him and then do what he says. See, it's not, oh, putting God first, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. No, it's, none of the, it's none of the I can'ts. It's learning to hear his voice and then do exactly what he says in the moment. That's what we have, to, we have to step into in our lives. Um, I had, a, I, I had a, a, a business when I lived in the Rio Grande Valley. This is the last one I'm gonna, example I'm going to give. But I had a business that I operated for about five years in, in the Rio Grande Valley. I had an automotive detail business. I had a van and I'd go. I had about 16 or 18 dealerships that I would do work on. And uh, for five years, five and a half days a week, I, in, and this is in the, this is like in the early 80s, I made between $300 and $500 a day, which would be about probably making a thousand or $1,500 a day today. But for five and a half days a week, for five years, I never didn't make that much money unless I didn't want to. For five years, solid. 
prosperous business. And about halfway in the middle of that, I'm in, in Missouri at my wife's grandparents' house. We're up there on a vacation. And I'm riding a, I don't know, it was a three-wheeler or four-wheeler, I can't remember now. But I was riding it over, there's a little, that little pond in the back of the lake, and I'm riding it back up there. And, and as I was sitting on this four-wheeler, the Spirit of God spoke to me that day that he had called me to pastor. Kind of like what he said to Peter, do you love me? Yes. And this is what I want you to do. Yeah, but God, I have a great business. Huh? I, I, I have a fishing business. Yeah, but you're going to go throw your net in and you ain't going to catch a thing if you don't do what I say. So for two years, for two years, my heart began to be prepared to end one thing and start something else. And when I ended it, I was at the top not wanting to end it. Now hear me when I say this. A lot of what people call ending something is really quitting. And the reason that there are not a lot of really strong new beginnings is because people don't finish what they started. Did you hear me? See, a person could say, a person could hear a message like this and go, man, he's right. You know what? I am tired of my wife and I'm getting out of this marriage. It's time to end this thing. No. No. Wrong concept. See, you're not, you're not understanding. See, if, if you, see, God created you, if you're married, if you're divorced today, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the people that are married today. If you're married, or if you're not married and you will be married, God created you to be married and do what it takes to finish. So there's no quitting. Right? And anybody that finishes something, anybody that finishes a specific thing, and they're done with it, they can start something new and fresh. But along the way, and, and, and I want you to, if you have a Bible or if you're going to look on the screen, I want you to follow with me in Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower. And I'm going to, I've, I've broken this down today, and I'm going to read this to you in such a way that I believe you can, you can catch what it is that, I'm, that I've been saying today in this passage. In Mark chapter 4, which is the parable of the sower, verse 14 says, The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. And we know from Matthew 13 that the sower of the word is the Son of Man. So the word of God as I'm preaching it today, it's Jesus sowing this revelation into your heart. And he said, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, everybody say, when they hear. Okay, so you're hearing today. So as the word is sown, it says, In this condition of the heart, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. To me, it would be like starting. Okay, so you hear the word, you start. Compared to maybe making a New Year's resolution, you know, you're going to, I don't know, like people make lots of New Year's resolutions about going to the gym, and two weeks later, they can't remember how to get to the gym, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, that's 
a certain person. Well, that's this soil right here. So they start, and about two weeks later, it's over. Then the next soil is found in verse 16, and it says, and these likewise, everybody say likewise. So in other words, like the first one, are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. So they make it past the first two weeks and possibly make it to about six months. And they have no root in themselves, so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they what? They stumble. In other words, they're offended. Everybody say offended. Jesus said in Matthew 13 that that's what would come, is offenses and lawlessness to people that allow the tares to stop their endings. People that allow the tares and the attitudes and the thinking of other people to stop what you're doing with the Word of God will cause you to not finish things in your life. Oh yeah, Pastor, I, I, I got the revelation of being a tither. Six months later, well, you know, this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened and I just, you know, I just, you know, and uh, so-and-so said, you know, you really don't need to tithe and so-and-so said that tithing isn't New Testament and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Here's the tares trying to uproot the seed that was sown. And what's it doing? It's trying to affect your end. And, and how would that affect your end? Because the devourer is not rebuked on your behalf. And so all along, the enemy is kicking your tail left and right because tears that were sown affected the word that had been sown in you, stopping you and keeping you from fulfilling and coming to the end of something in a finishing way. Everybody say finished. You ever seen a piece of wood that's raw and it's not done? And then you see that piece a little while later and somebody finished it? And you look at one that's unfinished versus a finished one? There's no comparison. Huh? I mean, it's stained and it's perfect and it's got a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a, a sh- like a shellac finish on it. I mean, it's just shining. And then you see one over here that's rough and raw and splintery and all, all and, and, and there's no comparison in the two. God wants us to strategically finish things in our life with the word of God and not let the mentality and the thinking of other people affect us. Now. Am I preaching that to you like in the last 38 years nobody has affected me? Come on. People have affected me at different times. I was that, in in certain things that I started, I was that first soil. And even though that came to an abrupt end, whatever that was, that didn't mean I was finished. And then I have been the second soil at different times. I started things, and I started them quick. And, man, I'm excited. And, man, we're going to take the world. And we're going to, bam. And then tribulation or persecution or stuff tries to come in. Other people, well, that's never been done before. You can't, yeah, that's true. And then you give, I've given up at specific things. But even though that came to an end, I didn't. And, see, there are things that end in a finished fashion, or sometimes there are things that end abruptly that you had no control over. If somebody in your life passes away, did you have control over them passing away? No. There was an ending there. Most people are so afraid of someone dying and passing on that they can't imagine what life would be like without them. 
And listen, you know, you want to talk about specific people, and there's no reason to even get our minds wrapped around things like that. But you start talking about specific people in the natural, you think, well, you know, there's no way that I could live without that person. When in, in, in truth, the only way you can't live is without God. In truth. So how do we overcome those kind of things? By allowing the Word of God and protecting the things that we hear become a part of our life and constantly uprooting the tares, which are what? They're the sons of the world, the sons of the wicked one, the enemy using people to sow things into your life to try to convince you that something from the Word is not real. And it's all lies. Because God created us to be finishers. I know you probably don't like to do this, but just look at somebody around you and say, I'm a finisher. You're back there by yourself. You a finisher? Glory to God. Anybody else back there by themselves? Say, I'm a finisher. Come on. Finishers. We are finishers. We're created to finish things. But with our finishing, we are created to start new things. Listen, how you start something new depends on how strong you finished. We're not going to accomplish new things in life if we bail from old things. There, there are times when God is calling you to honor situations or honor people or honor a specific thing with a right attitude. And if you don't honor people and you don't honor a, a, a season that you're in in the right way, and you just bail from it. You know, you, can ha- you could have an attitude knowing in the back of your mind, well, I'm working this job, but in a year I'm not going to be here. And you just, in other words, you quit right then. Not, you don't actually quit the job, but in your heart you quit. So now you're not giving 100%. You're not working that job like you're going to be there for the rest of your life. See? And so what you're doing is you're not finishing well. And so the new beginning is going to have that hard attitude that you're bringing into that new thing. Well, you know, this isn't that important, and that's not that important, and I don't really need to be all that, and, you know, they don't appreciate me and all. And that's what God said. When you allow the tares to affect you, you will have, you will have offenses and what? Lawlessness. What is lawlessness? It's just not keeping the law or the word. You get to where, well, I don't have to do that. But I don't have to. Yeah, but what does the word say? Yeah, but, you know, I don't have to be strong here and, and, and because they did me wrong. So, no, see, you're not doing the word. See, uh, a year ago, you would have said, you know, even though they've done me wrong, the word says for me to do right. See, but when I allow the tares to enter in and creep into my thinking, then it's like, well, you know, they did me wrong. God will forgive me. You know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not going to take that serious. You see how destructive that is? One of the reasons that there are not a lot of strong beginnings in people is because people don't finish. Say it again, I'm a finisher. <laughs> I'm a finisher. I don't know about you, but there's been a number of things in my life that it took me a long time to finish. Why? Because it took me a long time to get rid of every tear. My, my birth mother passed away about a year and a half ago. And uh, 
I had, I had two mothers. I was so rough, I needed two. But my birth mother passed away about a year and a half ago. And uh, when, when she passed away, the day she passed away, God spoke to me something about my thinking that was tied to my mother. There was something in my thinking that was tied to her. And I'd never seen it before. I mean, I, 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 if you were to ask me, I'd say, yeah, and I've dealt with it. But God revealed to me, you haven't dealt with that. And when she passed away in something that I had no control over, what I embraced was a new beginning, not letting that affect me. I love my mom. I loved, I loved her, love her. She's alive. She's born again. I led her to the Lord. She's born again. She's in heaven. She's face to face with Jesus. Thank God for all that. But there were things that were sown in her life that she never got rid of. And, and, and there was a number of those things at different times that affected my life that I got rid of and, and, and got out. And the Lord said, it's time for you to be finished with that. And it's time to start a new beginning. In other words, a new attitude and new ideas and, and you embracing new ways of accomplishing things in your life that that thing doesn't affect you anymore. And I tell you what, from that day, my life has totally been different. But that was something that hung on in my life. Portions of it hung on for most of my born-again life till a year and a half ago. How, how does something like that happen? Because we learn everything in God is, is a little here and a little there. Line upon line, precept upon precept, we do a little and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And if we don't quit, we reap, see? But those who don't finish, most of the time, quit. And if you quit and you try to start something new and fresh, then you start the new things with a quitter attitude. I can remember one time, I won't mention one, which one it was, but one of my daughters wanted to play soccer. She's five or six or something. She wanted to play soccer. I mean, she was about playing soccer. I said, okay, you're going to play soccer. When we get out there and we start, we're going to finish. Okay. And we get out there and first day and she saw that big field. And that ball hit her in the head, you know. She goes, Daddy, I don't want to play. Okay, but we're going to play. We're going to finish. We're going to finish. I see, you know. I didn't really necessarily in the back of my mind think I want to come to all the practices and do this and take her and all that. You know, I mean, I did, but I mean, in the back of my mind, it just would have been easier. But she started it, and she cried, and we got over it, and she cried again, and we got over it. By the end of the year, she finished, and she was like, and she played a number of years, you see. So she didn't start great, but it took the word of the Father to encourage her and take her to another level to not be a quitter because if she quits soccer at five, she's going to quit all her life. And no matter how old you and I are, if we don't finish things and learn to be strategic in our finishing, then we'll be quitters all our life. And then you know what happens? The number one thing that happens to a quitter is they become offended with everybody and blame everybody for their problems. And, and if you're offended, then you're in lawlessness. In other words, not just 
breaking the law, but what you're breaking, what you're going against, are things that you possibly, either you were convicted about at one time or never were, and you heard about, but never allowed it to take root on the inside of you. See? And, and when, we, when we hear things and we do those things, it takes us to a place where we can embrace a finished work and really see what that looks like. And I tell you what, there's nothing like being a finisher in everything that you do. Everything that you do. So when you shift gears and you do something different, you do new things by faith when you're on top, not when you're frustrated. Never make a change in your life from frustration. Because you'll bring the frustration into the next thing that you do. Learn to deal with the frustration where you're at. Let the Word of God reveal to you why you're frustrated. Listen to me. There's not a person sitting here today that can be rid of frustration. I don't care how difficult the situation is. You could be working a job somewhere, and your boss, you know, you could use every four-letter word in the book to describe who your boss is. And you could, you could, you know, the people around you and they're complainers and all this kind of stuff. And if I was just out of there, see, if Jesus would have taken that approach, you and I wouldn't have been delivered. All the stuff that came against him, you know what the last things that he said was? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Why would I ask, Lord, why would I pray for you to forgive? Or why should I forgive so-and-so? Because I know what they did to me. Well, we all did all, anything that you can think of bad, we did to him. And he forgave us and liberated us and set us free. And now, from what we gain from the scriptures, we're to take that word and apply that to our beginnings and our endings. And I'm just telling you, the key to great beginnings of new things in your life is to be a finisher. Are you hearing me today? It's really important that I get this across, that you understand what I'm saying in such a way that you can apply it where you're at. I gave you examples of my life, but there are things in your life where you need to finish something before you take off to the next thing that you think you can't live without. Because I promise you, when you get there, it won't be that way because, you know, you're, you're hauling your 18-wheel trailer with all this crud that you've not dealt with. And it's not going to look pretty when you get into the new thing you're trying to do or you're attempting to do. The third soil in verse 18. I talked too long. Third soil in verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things Entering in, choke the word, and it becomes what? It becomes unfruitful. What does that mean? You were fruitful. Okay? So you start, you make it past two weeks, you make it past the sixth month, and then there's about a two to ten year, fifteen year time period in there where there's the potential to be offended and to not finish things, but you stay with it. But then, right here, he said, you were fruitful, but then you let desires for other things come in and choke the word. And when that word comes, 
When, when, when the desire for other things, the tears, the ideas, the thinking of other people choke the word that's in there, then you become unfruitful. And I'm telling you what, there right there in that soil lies the greatest potential for offense that the world has ever known. And I'll prove it to you next week. Story after story after story after story in the Bible that talks about offenses in, in that condition right there. We bore fruit, we went so far, we went to this place and th- that place and so on, and then we get offended because of what we allowed. Verse 24 says, He said to them, Take heed what you hear, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. Whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's the fruit bearer versus the non-fruit bearer because they didn't guard what they were hearing and meditating on and thinking and allowing to rule their life. And as a result of that, it came in and took even what they had away. That's the greatest place of offense the world has ever known. Blame God. You blame people that preach the word, you blame your friends, you blame this, you blame the church, you blame your job, you blame your family, you blame this person, that person. Why? Because you didn't allow yourself to become finished in a certain area and be convinced to where no devil in hell can rob from you. And that's the fourth soil found in verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear, notice, all soils heard the word. All soils of the heart heard the word. They accept it, so they started, they got past two weeks, they got past six months, they got past the two to ten, and they came to a place where they finished and they were convinced. And because they were convinced and they finished strong, it says here, they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I'll just throw this in today as I end this. The soil before that, I don't know, it doesn't say if they reaped 10 or maybe, this, maybe at a specific time they reap 30. And I'm not just, you know, the, the, the story here is not financial. It, it, it includes the financial realm, but the story here is about the sowing of the word and embracing the word. That's what the story, the sower sows the word, not finances. First, you have to sow the word, okay? Now, that applies to finances because... Uh, because it applies to anything else that you sow. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. But first and foremost, we have to be a sower of the word, and the sower of the word is the son of man, and the word being sown is you and I hearing, and a person that guards what he hears, then he'll reap everything that was intended for him to reap. And I'll just say this. We'll just say it like this. It's not enough for you to reap 5 or 10 or 30 or 60. God created you to be a hundredfold return reaper. That's what he created you to be in every area of your life. To receive the optimum yield in life that will cause you to be something and a person that other people can look at and want what you have. I'm not just talking about the material realm. I'm talking about in every way. A person that forgives when someone else has done them wrong is not like the world. 
a person that stays with that all their life, even when opportunities come to change, and they uproot those tears and those things that are sown and ideas and attitudes that other people have, hey, man, you, you, you know what? That, they, they've done you wrong for a long time. You need to just, you know what? Just be offended. It's okay. You know, just take a breath and just let it happen. Just let it all out. Go cuss them out or something or write them an ugly letter and just send it to them. You know, that'll help you. That'll Because, see, all of that turns inward. When God says it's not about going inward, see, it's about doing what he says is right. And you know what? At the end of the day, love is kind, it's patient all the time, believes the best in people at all times, and at the end, love never fails. And you know what? Love reaps hundredfold. <laughs> Amen? I love teaching this. I'm telling you right now, I just love teaching this. And I've got something I was going to share today, but nah, I didn't. I'm going to share it next week that you need to hear about this beginning and ending. And some of the best days that the world has ever known are before us. Listen, there is life past the first Tuesday in November. There is life past election day. And it doesn't matter who the candidates are. It matter whether you like one or the other or neither one of them, like I hear most people saying. It doesn't matter. There's life past the election because Jesus said, all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Democrats, Republicans, independents, uh, grassroots, uh, militia. <laughs> I mean, whatever it is. All those who call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved and born again and liberated and free. Can you say amen to that? And listen, that's our future, is that we know and understand who God is and how to be finishers so we can be new beginners in any and everything that we do. Shout amen. amen. Listen, if you weren't here Wednesday night, <clears throat> I don't usually say this, but I really encourage you to go to the website and... Listen to or download. It's free. You can get any to any of the messages that are on there. But Wednesday night, we preached a word about in the name. In the name of Jesus. And there, there is a revelation in that that came out on Wednesday night that you need to hear. And I'd encourage you to go to the website and just either listen to it or download it. And, and really spend some time thinking about the importance of the name of Jesus in your life and what it, it can do and what it was what it, it's in us and with us to accomplish. Amen.